Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. Wait for it. Wait for it. His name is Padawan J. Let me talk to you. Yeah. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports. Yeah, we do. And I know Mother Nature has kind of affected the recording schedules here at the ODPH. Is it a Tuesday in 2024 if there's not some sort of snowstorm blowing through the Northeast? I got to consult with the National Weather Service here in Binghamton because actually, surprisingly, they're very responsive on Twitter mm-hmm. or X if you want to be all official. It's all tw- it's always going to be Twitter. Um, but they're actually surprisingly responsive. And I, and I got to reach out to them and be like, hey, how many of the three Tuesdays we've had in the year 2024 has it snowed? Because it feels like all three. Mm-hmm. Oh, I fully agree. So that's kind of thrown off the recording schedule. So this episode is going to be all sports. The entertainment edition this week is going to our patrons first. Yeah. So if you want to check out what we have to say in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more, that's where you go to for this week. If not, oh, we're, we're going to just talk about sports on this one. And, Pat, where does everybody go to if they, no matter what? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. Swing on over to the website. Check out all the social media links. Everything's updated. It's all wonderful there. Also, check out the T Public Store link where if you want to get some ODPH swag, it's always a great time. You can check out the Patreon link like we alluded to. One tier, $2 a month, and you get bonus content. Boom. Mm-hmm. That easy. Also, you can check out the blog section where there's a lot of reviews coming up, and we have you covered for New Comic Book Day there as well. The classified section where you can find friends of the show, such as 3FM Podcast, Dragon Master Games, Nerd Initiative. A lot of things happening there. Lots. So you definitely want to make sure you're clicking on over there and signing up on all those social accounts as well. The directory. Pat, how many providers are we on? Oh, 124,000. Sounds about right to me. That is why he is the statistician to the stars. Also, check out the music section of the show where we have our good friends, Second Suitor, Tom Jolu, Shout at the Robots, Floodlands, Brian Wolf and the Howlers, and many, many more updating their links. New music is coming out. It's the new year, so if you want to update your Spotify playlist, your Apple Music, however you're listening to music these days, simple. Go on there, click on all those links, go get some new tunes for your players, and go enjoy what you hear on the ODPH. And if you want to talk about it on social media, it's very simple. Hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off the sports edition of the show, there's a lot of headlines to digest mm-hmm. involving this divisional round of the National Football League. It's hard to believe, but there's only two weeks left and the season is done, Pat. I know. Crazy. It's insane, but we have to recap the week that was, so let's kick it off. Yeah, so as we do with the NFL playoffs, uh, we're going to do these in the order that the games took place in. No, I'm not trying to twist a knife and really torture the shit out of Ken by going last on him. Mm -hmm. They played last, we're going to cover them last. Yep. Uh, So starting off, we're going to talk about the Houston Texans who took on the Baltimore Ravens, where the Baltimore Ravens beat the Texans by the final score of 34-10. to Uh, Lamar Jackson, 16 of 22 for 
for 152 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, C.J. Stroud, 19 of 33 for 175 yards passing, no touchdowns or interceptions. Devin Singletary led the way for Houston in rushing with nine carries, 22 yards, no touchdowns. Lamar Jackson led the way for Baltimore with 11 carries, 100 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, And then for receiving, it was Zay Flowers leading the way for Baltimore, four catches, 41 yards, no touchdowns. And Nico Collins led the way for Houston with five catches, 68 yards, and no touchdowns. Well, this one can very easily be summed up as the Cinderella story Uh of Houston finally hit midnight. Uh C.J. Stroud has been playing above and beyond the call. He has exceeded projections for him this season. Houston was not supposed to be here. Nope. So the fact that they made it this far is a testament to what they're doing with this organization, and we have to always admit we were wrong about them this season. Yes, we do. And they have proved us wrong. But this was a time that we were going to find out were they really contenders or pretenders per se. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, when you're going up against the number one seed in the conference, chances are you're going to be pretending. Yeah. And this is one case where this was close until halftime, but John Harbaugh and the team really refocused in that second half. Mm-hmm. They looked very dominant. They were not messing around. Absolutely not. And they started picking C.J. Stroud apart and was, at least in my opinion, they were daring somebody to make a play. Yeah. And that is quite scary, especially when you have Lamar Jackson, who I think at this stage it's hard to say he's not the MVP candidate. Uh, he's got to be the odds-on favorite at this point. Yeah, yeah. And if, and if he's not... Who the hell are you picking? I mean, the only other player I would say we'll get to him in, in uh, when we, we recap this game uh-huh. is Christian McCaffrey. Yes, that's been my only my one two there. Tyreek Hill is in the conversation as well, but well, he, if he'd have hit two thousand yards, he'd be the shoe in. Oh, absolutely. But I think injuries. In, but I think in this case too, you see what Lamar Jackson does for this team, uh-huh. being the lead rusher, two touchdowns, a hundred yards on the ground. He is getting multiple receivers involved in the game, and granted. Baltimore does not have a great wide receiver core. No. Albeit, though, they're going to get some help this weekend, as we're going to go discuss. They're doing everything to implement their will on their opponents, and they're making a statement win that they're the yeah. number one seed without question. I mean, it's kind of insane to think about where Lamar Jackson is at this point, this season specifically, because let's let's turn the page back, mm-hmm. you know, a year and a half, two years, whatever it is. And he's he, you know, didn't get a contract extension, didn't negotiate a new contract with the Baltimore Ravens played out the season, had a great season and then came back in the off season, you know, when the reports were out there, how much he was asking for, how much he was looking for. And everyone thought he was nuts. Everyone's like, Oh, are you really worth that much? Is it really going to be, you know, the most bang for your buck? He ends up re-signing with the Baltimore Ravens has an, has a decent year last year, Mm. but then you bounce back and you look at this year, which, you still got to play it out. Still got to see. But as it's looking right now, you know, won the won the uh, division. He won the AFC North. Got the number one overall seed in the Amer- AFC conference. Is potentially going to win the MVP this year, mm-hmm. and is on the cusp of going to the Super Bowl. If that ain't the biggest middle finger f you to the haters, I don't know what is. No, he wanted to make a statement, and he clearly did. Uh, he understood the assignment. Exactly. And to play with that big of a chip on your shoulder and motivate your team to rally around you, I mean, that's a true testament of a leader in that yeah. locker room. Yeah. And this is something that Baltimore, we often forget with some of the names in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, yeah. Josh Allen, yeah. when he's healthy, Joe Burrow. <laughs> yeah. 
Lamar Jackson does not get enough credit for what he does with his team, in my opinion. Right. And I think this was a case where he understood he's on the national platform. Mm-hmm. Houston has a lot of momentum behind them. It's a feel-good story. They're a great story, but we don't remember stories. We remember winners. Yes. Lamar wants to win worse than anybody. Yeah, he does. And it clearly showed in his playing, especially when they took over in that fourth quarter. Oh, my God. I thought Roquan Smith did an amazing job for Baltimore on defense, really stepping up to the task at hand. Mm-hmm. And when you can have a, a defense of this as, as disruptive yeah. as they were – they're going to give anybody fits the longer they go in these playoffs. Roquan Smith was an absolute monster uh, looking at the statue. Now, this is just the stuff that shows up in the old box score. This ain't the intangibles and the stuff that don't show up. But in the box score, he had seven total tackles, five of them by himself, and two of those tackles were for loss. Mm-hmm. Good Lord. Yeah, he has played out of his mind. I don't think he's getting enough credit as well. Yeah, well, when you consider who's on that defense and you've got Jadavian Clowney there, who is his own monster in and of his own right. Yeah, he's, you know, he, he's having a resurgence. Oh, he's having a, he's having a resurgence. You can never count out Kyle Van Oilis. I'll always give him his flowers mm-hmm. for the time he gave us in New England. But, you know, Roquan is not the guy that first comes to mind, at least before this game, when you think of monsters on that defense. Right. So Baltimore is moving on, which rightfully so. They made yeah. this a, the second half. It's a day and night difference. Oh, absolutely. Houston was in this game, but the second half they just came out flat. Yeah. CJ needs more weapons on offense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He does not have this. I mean, Nico Collins played okay. Dalton Schultz did what he could. Right. But they're still missing some pieces, in my opinion. Yeah. They'll bounce back next season. I think you'll see a lot of free agents. Oh, absolutely. At least entertain Houston. Absolutely. But right now it's Baltimore heading into the AFC Championship, and they'll have a very tough task, but we'll get into that just a little bit. Yeah, so the other game that took place on Saturday was between the San Francisco 49ers and the Green Bay Packers, and you had the San Francisco 49ers emerge victorious, winning by the final score of 24-21. to Brock Purdy, 23-39 of for 252 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Jordan Love, 21-34, uh, of 194 yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Aaron Jones led the way for Green Bay in rushing with 18 carries, 108 yards rushing and no touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey led the way for San Francisco with 17 carries, 98 yards, and two touchdowns. George Kittle led the way for San Francisco in receiving with four catches, 81 yards, one touchdown. Uh, And Romeo Dobbs led the way for Green Bay with four catches, 83 yards, and no touchdowns. Easiest way to describe this game is the youth of Green Bay came back to haunt them. Yeah, inexperience. Inexperience was something that popped in the fourth quarter because – where Green Bay was still in this game. It's only 7-6 at halftime. In the third quarter, they outscored San Francisco 15-7. to Uh-huh. So they were looking very, very dominant going into that fourth quarter. And maybe San Francisco's not as a lock to win it all as we might have thought. Well, I think the problem they had is when teams were really focusing on Christian McCaffrey. Uh-huh. And obviously, Debo Samuel got injured. Yeah, that so that hurts. That that really took something away from that offense because what he does paired with McCaffrey in that lineup, they do a lot of motion. Yes, you take one of them out of the equation. I don't want to say predictable, mm-hmm. but it's a little more easy to figure out where the 49ers are going with their offense. It's like when the Patriots lost Gronkowski in the playoffs in whatever fucking year it was, mm-hmm. where Gronkowski was the number one offensive feature of that game plan 
and then all of a sudden you had to audible and change everything. You know, obviously you're not going to throw the ball to Gronke and on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing here. Yeah, exactly. But the 49ers defense really stepped up, was making a lot of plays. Yeah. And that is really what's kept them in games because they're so balanced on both sides of the ball. When it came to this fourth quarter, this is where I thought Jordan Love, I don't I don't want to say panicked. Sure. But you, much like you touched upon, the inexperience. It's, that, it's the butterflies. Yeah. Caught up with them, especially yeah. in that fourth yeah. quarter. And it did not help that Carlson missed a kick yeah. for Green Bay that yeah. would have tied things. And then Love really pressed himself in that fourth quarter because he was trying to make a lot of plays happen. Mm-hmm. And then through the, the game-winning interception to San Francisco late, which, I mean, he had nothing on it. Right. And I understand he was trying to make something happen. I'm not faulting him for this. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those cases where this is a learning experience for Green Bay. I know that they fired their defensive coordinator as of this morning. Yep. They're going to make a lot of changes. The one question mark is, will they get enough help to get them to that next level in the NFC? I don't know. Yeah, uh, it'll be tough to say. I mean, the defense played overplayed, I would say, mm-hmm. over exceeded expectations. You know, so you can obviously make some adjustments there. Uh, I'd say offensively they need a little bit of work because you've, you've clearly got a great running back in Aaron Jones. Yeah. You know, especially with this game, listen, 18 for 108, that's pretty goddamn good. Would have liked to see him hit Patriot a couple times, but sure. you know, is what it is. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you've got a great set of uh, star with Romeo Dobbs there. You know, Jaden Reed's also not too bad. You know, so maybe if you get a couple more options there at the, at the receiving core, you know, f- maybe get a little bit more offensive line help because Lord knows you can never have enough of that. And mm-hmm. the Packers will actually be looking pretty good. Yeah, they're not out of the realm of thought of making a deep run. No. But they do need some upgrades on both sides of the ball. Uh-huh. I mean, I think that's just being very honest about this. Yeah, no, that, that's true. So we'll have to see what happens here, but not a bad way for them to go out per se because they almost had this game. They did. But this is where the experience factor of San Francisco came into play. Yep. They didn't get rattled. Brock Purdy, I mean, for being in the playoffs for just, what, a second year? Yes. It still looked very poised, did not get rattled too much. No. Albeit, though, took a couple bad shots to his throwing arm. Oof. So I would be worried about that going into this week. But when you have Christian McCaffrey there to bail you out, that does help a lot. The other concerning thing, as we alluded to him, is uh, the Debo Samuel injury. And currently, as we record, uh, now this was reported today as we record, uh, and I'm looking at the injury report for the San Francisco 49ers on ESPN.com, and it says, quote, Debo Samuel, questionable. uh, Samuel Scholler won't participate in Wednesday's walkthrough. Nick Wagner of ESPN.com reports. So odds are he's going to go Sunday, but as in what capacity and what percentage, you know, if we're talking, oh, he's at 50%, he's at 100%, remains to be seen. But I'm willing to bet if he's not doing walkthroughs and it's Wednesday and the game's on Sunday, he won't be in everything. He won't be in everything. I think they're going to give him as much rest as possible. That could be. But I think if he can actually suit up and go out and at least be a decoy, mm-hmm. oh, he's going to play Sunday. Oh, yeah. No, he's he's not missing this game. Like He'll have to be like have a broken leg, mm-hmm. and even then he still might try to go out there. Exactly, but a gritty win for the 49ers to hang in there and, uh-huh. and really weather a very tough storm and a Packers team that almost pulled this off, yeah. almost. Surprisingly, yeah. Surprisingly, I think they've been a, a great surprise this season. Albeit, though, 
I think the biggest surprise to some this season is the next game we're going to talk about. Yeah, so this was the first of the two games on Sunday, and that was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Detroit Lions. Uh, And you had the Detroit Lions emerge victorious, winning by the final score of 31-23. to You had, just one second, uh, did not open the right box score there. Uh, Give me two seconds. We do this live, folks. That's how we keep it honest with you. Yes, we do. For whatever reason, when I opened the page, it didn't open the right page. Uh, Jared Goff went 30 of 43 for 287 yards passing. Uh, Two touchdowns, no interceptions. Baker Mayfield, 26 of 41 for 349 yards passing. Three touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, Rashad White led the way for Tampa Bay in rushing with nine nine carries, uh, 55 yards, no touchdowns. Jameer Gibbs led the way for Detroit in rushing with nine carries, 74 yards, just one touchdown. Uh, For Detroit in receiving, it was Amon Ross, St. Brown, with eight catches, 77 yards, one touchdown. And for Tampa Bay, it was Mike Evans with eight catches, 147 yards receiving, and one touchdown. This was arguably the most entertaining game of the entire weekend. Uh, Well. It's arguable. It's arguable, yeah. Because this was very back and forth. Yeah, it was. And Tampa Bay, as much as a lot of fans don't want to hear this, is very similar to Detroit in certain aspects. A little bit. So it was almost a kind of spy versus spy type vibe. Yeah. They're very equal in certain areas. And this was a situation that Detroit rose to the occasion. Mm -hmm. I really think that they, I don't want to say got lucky, but they're very fortunate to have snuck this one out. Yeah, no, that's, that's accurate. Because Baker Mayfield, even though the two interceptions played very, very well, Mm -hmm. Jared Goff did okay as well. But I really think it was the tempo of the running game. Jameer Gibbs really was setting a lot of key moments where he was running. Mm-hmm. And I think for where Detroit needs to go now, obviously facing San Francisco, the biggest X factor for next weekend is going to be their secondary. Yes. Because they did not look great in this game. I mean, you let Mike Evans burn you for 147 yards, which that's an average game for Mike White. Mm-hmm. But then you also couple with Kate Otten, who again, who? Yeah. Uh, 65 yards. Chris Godwin had 40. Like, these guys were running all over you. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's going to be a problem with a team that's as skilled and disciplined yeah. as the 49ers. Because the question mark I have right now is if Debo's in that lineup. Uh huh. On paper, right now, <laughs> is that secondary going to be able to handle him and Kittle? And then just I'll throw in Brandon Ayuk just to give a third receiver. I mean, even if it's just Debo, and yeah, it's, and it's nobody else in receiving core, like that that Detroit secondary is going to get torched like it's paper doused in gasoline. Mm-hmm. Like, listen, the Detroit front seven or however many it is on that front line, hey. You guys get a cookie. You guys did a great job. You know, I mean, you sacked Baker Mayfield four times, uh, and then you hit the quarterback a total of eight times total. So, hey, kudos to you. Kudos to the front seven or however many for Detroit. That secondary, though, yay. They, that's going to be a real tough task. This could be end up being another back-and-forth shootout between the two teams on Sunday. Well, the one thing is the <clears> – <throat> for next week's game is the line open big for San Francisco. Oh, did it? I hadn't looked. Yeah, it was close to 10. Well, that's what it was for San Francisco last week. It was 10 and a half by the time kickoff. Uh, let's see. Right now it is, of course, not on that page. Let's open it up. Uh, well, that's the one issue that I think the, the Detroit needs to have that chip on their shoulder going out west. Currently San Francisco by seven. Yeah, okay, so that's come down a little bit. I think going out west, though, Detroit is not going to be at home. They're not going to have the emotion. Yeah that they had playing in front of their hometown. Yeah. 
I think now is going to be a real test to see how this team in general responds to being in their first NFC Championship game since 91. And it's funny you bring that up because the uh, world's a little different since it was in 1991. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number one movie uh, since the la- in the time uh, when it was the last time the Lions were in the uh, NFC Championship game, number one movie at the box office, Terminator 2 Judgment Day. The number one song and, uh, on the radio was Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams. Uh, Barry Sanders led the league with 16 rushing touchdowns. Uh, the Hammer Dance uh, hit popularity there. Yeah. Uh, you'll love this one. Price of gas, buck 14 a gallon. I miss those days. Uh, so do I. Here's the other thing, kind of some crazy little factoids, because 1991 was, oh, it sounds like a long time, long time ago. Here's just like a gauge of how long ago. iPods didn't even exist yet. Uh, text messaging wasn't even a thing yet. Uh, Jared Goff, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs, and Sam Laporta, all four players on the Detroit Lions this year, weren't even alive yet. Yeah. Uh, Amazon, Google, and MySpace and Facebook weren't even around. PlayStation and Xbox weren't even around. Uh, BlackBerry was still eight years away. Uh, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Nikola Jokic weren't even born yet. And then Dan Campbell, head coach of the Detroit Lions, he was still in high school. Yeah. Like, it's absurd how long ago this was. Well, that's why Detroit is a very sentimental favorite mm-hmm. for a lot of fans because... They're like they're like the NFL version of the Cubs. Well, well to... To a certain degree. To a certain degree, because obviously few teams have gone winless like they have. True. Their franchise has not had this much excitement around it since you touched upon since Barry Sanders played. Yeah. There were some flashes with... Stafford and, and Calvin Johnson, but sure. it never really manufactured in anything. No, I think you needed the head coach with the right mentality, and Dan, mm-hmm. Cam- Dan Campbell should be head coach of the year. I, yeah. I don't think there's any question about that in my mind. Mm-hmm. For what he's done for the city, he's really embraced it, and it's really treated like an us against them. Yeah. You know, like you always see those shirts like Detroit versus everybody. Yes. That's what I'm saying with that. Yeah. And as long as they carry that swagger into the 49ers stadium, mm-hmm. they'll have a chance. But I. I truly think, though, this is going to be where the veteran experience of the 49ers comes into play. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be a game, unfortunately, the Cinderella story, like much like we touched upon with Houston, runs mm-hmm. out. And I think it's going to be a situation that unless Jared Goff can have a career game yeah, and that secondary can slow down the passing attack mm-hmm. of the 49ers, I think – this is going to be 49ers all day. Probably. Uh, and just one little more factoid on the game uh, from Sunday between the Bucks and the Lions. They did crazy ratings uh, because according to NBC Sports PR, uh, for the debt for, you know, all of a couple hours, it was the most watched NFL divisional playoff game since 1994. It averaged more than 40 million viewers. It peaked at 49.1 million viewers. And I read in uh, one article that in uh, the Detroit area, mm-hmm. it was on in 77% of households. Oh, I believe which it. Which is absurd. Well, you have to think about it. that team is That city has been waiting for a sports team to step up and step out. Yes. I mean, they got the Red Wings, but some somebody other than the Red Wings. Well, like I say, when was the last time the Red Wings were in, in Stanley Cup contention? Oh, early, mid-2000s. Right. Same thing against, against Pittsburgh? Same thing with the Pistons. It's been a while since. That was 2005? Yeah. Six? So you have to think about it. That city has been waiting. Granted, the Tiger, Tigers. Tigers were there in the World Series at least once. once. Right. Yeah. 2005? But the Lions, I mean, and let's face it, we've talked about this many times. Football is now the national pastime. Yeah. It's a, it's a different thing. 
and that's where you're seeing here with Detroit. So we'll have to see how that matchup plays out on Sunday. Like I say, I think it's 49ers all day. Probably. And then the game, I'm not ducking away from this one. Pat will even give the disclaimer for this because I have some feelings. Uh, so the views, thoughts, and opinions are that of Ken M. Do not necessarily reflect that of the ODPH. Listener discretion is advised. Uh, we are, of course, talking the Buffalo Bills who took on the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Kansas City Chiefs emerged victorious, winning by the final score of 27-24. to 24. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, 17-23 for 215 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Josh Allen, 26-39 for a 186 yards rushing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, Josh Allen was your leading rusher, going 12 carries, 72 yards, two rushing touchdowns. Uh, for Kansas City, it was Isaiah Pacheo, going 15 carries, 97 yards, one touchdown. Travis Kelsey led the way for Kansas City, going five catches, 75 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, and for Buffalo, it was Dalton Kincaid, getting five catches, 45 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, the reason I said with the last game that it was the number one most watched divisional game for all of like a couple hours uh, because the Bills and Chiefs came in and said, hold my beer. Uh, because according to the folks over at CBS, that one did over, uh, more than 50 million viewers, uh, and averaging 50.393 million viewers, uh, which was up 10% from last year's window, which was the Cowboys 49ers game. Previous record was uh, for viewers was 48.5 million viewers in 2017 between the Cowboys and Packers. Well, there's a lot to digest here. Mm -hmm. Buffalo had their best opportunity to beat their rivals, which I'm going to say something right now, too. This whole talk of Allen and Mahomes being the new Brady and Manning, mm -hmm. I don't necessarily buy into, per se. Okay. Because the one thing is, these games have been very back and forth, but it can't be a rivalry until somebody gets a win over the other. Okay. Unfortunately, that has not happened with Josh Allen and the Bills because of reasons. Yeah. And if you take a look at the two other previous times in this game, there's one common denominator that has come into play. McDermott in the second half? <laughs> yep. No, you're right. It's McDermott. I think at this stage he is the Mark Jackson Mm. of the Bills dynasty right now. Okay. Like, he's put it together, but he's not the guy to get them to the next level. Okay. I just think that what we've seen in this situation is the Bills did have a lot of injuries, but every team has injuries. Mm -hmm. Him being the one responsible for the defensive calls and being head coach came back to haunt him in the worst way possible here. Mm -hmm. Because when you have Travis Kelsey mm -hmm. wide open, open mm -hmm. numerous times mm -hmm. in this game and you don't adjust for him yeah that is a problem and and especially when they were bringing up right at the kickoff how buffalo was having linebacker issues and all the injuries and yada 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 and how you know that's going to really help and work in travis kelsey's favor Mm -hmm. It doesn't take a rocket scientist or you know the greatest defensive coach of all time to figure out hey we're, good. we're really bad on linebackers. Kansas City is going to exploit the shit out of that, and they're going to go to Travis Kelsey a lot. We should probably adjust and plan for that. Yeah. I would have been much happier. <laughs> well, let me rephrase it. I would have been able to accept it more. Sure. If we got beat by MVS. Sure. If we got beat by Rasheed Rice, mm -hmm. I would have been fine with it. Nicole Hardman. Yeah. I would have been okay with it because if you take out their best weapon, yeah, 
and you still get beat, hey, they deserve to win. Mm -hmm. In this situation, the Bills gave them this because their defense, as banged up as they were, could not make a stop. Well, in the second half. In the second half, because what we talked, we, we touched upon, they needed to make adjustments in that second half. They clearly did not. And Kansas City did. Kansas City did. Steve Spagnuolo is one of the best defensive coordinators in the league for a reason. Mm-hmm. And the areas that Josh Allen was exceeding with was the screen passes out. Yep. They had the run game going with James Cook. And yet in the second half, for whatever reason, we switch up the offensive mentality. Yeah, I was going to ask you that because like, there's obviously no way for me to find out. But did it seem like to you they got away from the run game Absolutely. entirely in the second half? Absolutely. Okay. I'll even say something that's going to fire up Bills fans. Ooh. This is something Ken Dorsey did. Hmm. The former offensive right, coordinator. Right, 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 right. That everybody is screaming to get out of town. Yeah, okay. So you can't have that same energy about this with the new offensive coordinator because if they're calling the plays yeah. and then you're you're winning the game by running the ball. Mm-hmm. And then you stop in the second half, and it's not like they switched up their schemes that right. they could not uh, get the ball going here. Like, Kansas City played it very well. Yeah. But I'm sorry, what Joe Brady did. Mm-hmm is he went away from what was working. He went to the Kyle Shanahan school of second-half playing. Yeah. If you don't know get what I'm saying, uh, watch the Super Bowl between the Patriots and Falcons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he started passing all over the place. Which is what the Falcons did. Which would have worked if a Bills receiver could have caught the ball. Uh, let, let's get a specific. A Bills receiver not named Dalton Kincaid. Five for five. Right. Well, him and Shakir did fine. Yeah. I have no, In fact, I'll even say this. Gabe Davis not in the lineup was not a factor. Probably I'm, would not have been. No. I'm going to say it right now. No, Khalil Shakir is the is the clear cut number two on this team. There's no question in my mind about this. Uh, nine for seven with 44 yards and one touchdown. He was yeah, he's fine. He stepped up. He did what he could in this game. The person, if you're if you're going to blame anybody, <laughs> because he is obviously the one that's been the most vocal, is Stefan Diggs, uh, prima donna himself. And if you're going to be talking about give me the ball, I'm always open paraphrasing a little bit from Jamar Chase, if you're going to be sitting there complaining about your production with the team... For two years. For two years now, uh-huh. ever since the first loss in Kansas City where there's the iconic shot of him still staying on the playing field watching the celebration happen. Uh-huh. If you're going to still sit there and be complaining about your time, you need to step up in big games. Yeah, You had the go-ahead touchdown pass in your hands... By like a mile. And you dropped it. Oy, like threaded the needle... Wasn't even a defender. Well, there was a defender there, but the defender didn't factor in the factor. catch. Not you factor. Know, you know, he fell down or whatever it was. But yeah, no, Allen hit the bomb. It was like, what, 65, 70 yards? Yeah. Hit him in stride, right in the numbers, and it just went right through his arms. Not, was, not even his hands, right through his arms. It was the big play that Bills fans were waiting for that game. They hadn't really opened up like that the entire game. No, they were playing very conservative. Yeah. Very. Yeah. And granted, it might have been because, oh, that's right, Diggs fumbled. The first play of the game. Yeah, that did happen. And they were being very careless at times, and they're lucky that they were still this close going in the second half. But then again, we go back to the latter half of this game. They're going back and forth. Mm-hmm. The Bills have the lead. They can't sustain it. And that, well, and then you thought momentum changed when Nicole Hardman fumbled the ball through the end zone. Yes. But you I- know, and I'm sitting there going, oh, shit. Like, I'm watching with my fiance Liz, and she's like, oh, my gosh. She, I go, this could be a game changer. Well, it should have been because you know what? Why McDermott went for a fake punt? Holy fuck! Yeah, in that, that situation, yeah. like I might have thought that that should have been a good idea as a joke, 
But what momentum did you have? Yeah, there was there was no reason for that. No, you should have just not fake punt. You should have just went for it as is. You know what? Done a screen pass to Josh, or I mean to James Cook. Yeah. To have Josh run yeah. as an option because he could still get five. He could get five yards in that situation. Sure, sure. No question about that. Sure. Or throw a little screen or dump pass to Kincaid. Like if you did stuff like that, you would have been fine. Yeah. But that you're lucky you got the ball back. Momentum shifted. You have you have everything going in your favor, and you mm-hmm. come out flat. Mm-hmm. And the problem is in the final moments of the game at that two minute warning, mm-hmm. you're driving down the field. Mm-hmm. I have a big problem with Brady's calls here. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, and McDermott, if you're seeing the same thing I am. Why are you allowing this to happen? Because here's the problem that you had. It was second and nine. You tried running with Cook. Yep. Cook got stopped. Okay. Yeah. Happens. Next play, you have Diggs doing a screen, and he's wide open. Mm-hmm. Josh, and this is the only thing I'm going to fault him about. Okay. He tried playing hero. I agree. And granted, he got his foot stepped on when Dawkins got backed into him. Okay, listen, it is shit happens. It is what it is. But I'm going to paint you the scenario. Okay. Okay. At this time, there's about a minute twenty left on the clock, give or take. Okay. He throws it to Shakir. Shakir, it just comes up short. Yep. If Shakir catches that, uh huh. How much time is left on the clock? Probably around a minute or so. Okay, but minute minute fifteen, we'll say give or take. Yeah. Why are you giving that much time back to Mahomes? Uh, yeah. Have we not learned from the squib kick you did not do? Yeah. Don't give him time to get the ball back. Yeah. And yet, you're going to play hero. I understand you want to get that crowd electric and going, but newsflash, your defense cannot sustain on the field. No. So why are you sitting there trying to go for the kill shot that much time left in the game. You got to be, you know, surgical with your plays and and almost do like what the Patriots had to do whenever they would play Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. Where if you left Peyton Manning any amount of time, he was going to carve you up like a fucking surgeon in the operating room. Mm-hmm. And you were going to sit there and you were going to watch it and you were going to take it. Mahomes is not necessarily as surgical as Peyton was. But he can still has that ability to, if you leave him even fucking 30 seconds of time, Mm -hmm. he will still air it out downfield, dink and dunk down the field, get guys to catch and go out of bounds or whatever he has to do to put them in a position to win the game. So, you know, that's why, okay, yeah, Tyler Bass missing the kick sucked. If you're one of the people going out of your way to send any sort of negativity or messages or whatever to him, fuck you. Exactly. Is it shitty he missed the kick? Yes. Did it ultimately mean the game? No, because let's play alternate alternate timeline. Even if Bass makes that kick, there's still how much time left. And you we've seen what happens when you leave Patrick Mahomes any amount of time left on that clock. Yeah. He's going to carve the shit out of you. Sorry, it is what it is. Yeah. Why are you even throwing, unless it's a screen pass? Yeah. That that is my only fault I'll have with Josh about this game because sure. Josh Josh played a great game. Yeah, he did it. He did have a good game. You know, that's just the only thing is he, I agree with you. He there were times where he tried to play hero, mm-hmm. or if if it, we're talking like NBA, where you know if you drive to the lane and you go for two and try to get fouled, that makes a lot more sense than trying to put up a three pointer and tie the game. Yeah, and that's a situation that the Bills looked very inexperienced in this moment. Yeah, 
Sorry. Yeah. It, it Bill's Mafia. Listen, anybody wants to debate me about this, go right ahead. Yeah. This is what happened. So when Kansas City gets the ball back, you still have time to stop them, but you let Isaiah Pacheo mm-hmm. look like the second coming of Priest Holmes. Yeah. And he just ran right down the field on you guys. Average 6.5 yards of carry. Mm-hmm. Sorry. The one thing I will say is to get back to your point of like the Brady uh, Manning thing. Yeah. I do subscribe to that, but not in the way you think. Okay. I don't subscribe to it in that like Patrick Mahomes is Tom Brady and Josh Allen's Peyton Manning. Not that aspect of it. I do subscribe to it. And I tried explaining this to a friend of mine who's a Chiefs fan, but I just could not get him to understand it. I do subscribe it into the fact that like for the duration of these two players' careers, mm-hmm. they are going to be compared in every statistical category available online. Completions, yards, touchdowns, interceptions, whatever. You know, wins, losses, championships, everything. Mm-hmm. That that that's how I look at it is Peyton Manning was fucking phenomenal and was one of the best players of all time. Tom Brady, one, also one of the best players of all time. But up until, literally, as a Patriots fan, the entire time that he and Tom Brady played together, I had to hear and, and listen to talk radio and sports TV and whatever else, because at that point, podcasting was still in its infancy days. You know, the comparisons between Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were especially late in his career when Peyton was playing for Denver. And at that point, Brady had like four or five, whatever it was. Oh, is Brady better than Manning? Is Manning better than Brady? And I'm sitting there going, Tom's got like four or five of these things. You know, yeah, Peyton's got the MVPs and everything else. So that that's where I subscribe to that. Not necessarily the, oh, Patrick Mahomes is Brady, Josh Allen's Peyton Manning. Just from the aspect of they are this generation's Manning-Brady in that they are going to be compared, and you're going to hear the debate about who's better between the two through their entire career. The problem with that, no, I agree with you. You're going to this to this point. They are tied together because Buffalo traded the pick that yep. was supposed to be Kansas City yep. for Mahomes. But then uh, let me play devil's advocate with this because I've been hit up about this at – ODPH podcast on okay. social media. If Mahomes went to Buffalo, yeah. would he have had the same success? And I'm going to say no. No. For one, he played college ball at Texas Tech. Yes. I don't think he is built for the elements that is Buffalo, New York. Also, the coaching staff between the two. Sorry, Buffalo fans. Kansas City's better. Well, that's the whole thing. Andy Reid took the time to develop him. Yeah. Josh Allen stood behind who? Exactly. <laughs> Ryan Fitzmagic? Yeah. I'm sorry. When you have time that you can f- fully develop, and we're seeing this more and, and the, more. And this is Patrick learning from Reed. Sure, he probably got some stuff from Alex Smith. Sure. But it, but it wasn't Aaron Rodgers sitting behind Brett Favre levels of experience. Right. But this is the situation that in Buffalo, you didn't have this Josh's in on the fly. Yep. And it, Josh- it would have been the, it would have been a similar situation if Patrick was there. Right. And, that, and then how would things have played out? And I think that it would have been a lot different scenario. Yeah. And then plus wherever Josh would have wound up, because I mean, rumor has it, if certain moves had happened, he would have been in Denver. Hmm. Way back when on draft yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, Then. That would have been interesting. It's a weird parallel universe you can make the comparison with. Yeah. But that's how they're going to be tied together. And I think it's unfortunate <clears throat> because the edge goes to Mahomes here, yeah. as much as I hate saying this. Oh, I agree. But it's a situation that goes back to the common denominator here. And this is where I think the Bills need to make a coaching change. Uh, you're probably not wrong. I mean, you've you've said since day one, and what was it? The 
Houston Texans Bills game from mm-hmm. 2018, 2019, whatever the hell it was. Yeah. Where McDermott just can't do second half adjustments. He gets so caught up in his own head. Yeah. And he overthinks everything. Agreed. That is now costing them games. And this was a game that they had dead to rights. They had the second, first half, you know, heavyweight title fight in boxing, punch for punch, tit for tat, the whole nine. And then you come out the second half, and, and you could tell, even as a casual fan, the tempo had switched and, mm-hmm. the, and the mood and the, and the air had changed. And Kansas City adjusted because you went and they mentioned it. They're like, oh, you know, there hasn't been a punt in this game that it's just been score, 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 score. And then all of a sudden you started having turnovers and yeah. punts and all this other stuff. Kansas City adjusted. Buffalo didn't. And that's the thing that has haunted this organization since this regime has taken over. And and I can't help but wonder, is Stefan Diggs hurt or was he hurt for this duration of time? Because the stat line I saw, the last 10 games of Buffalo had played. Targets, Khalil Shakir, 38, Stefan Diggs, 80. Receiving yards, Khalil Shakir, 462, Stefan Diggs, 422. Well, I can't help but wonder because he is a number one guy. He wants all the targets and he wants this and that. We saw and heard the reports after last season, mm. you know, and it spilled into the off season. Then it bleeded into this season a little bit. And you look at the stat line he had for this season, you know, the game log and the and specific game stats, you know, the numbers are down. Did, was he hurt? It's possible. I mean, if you want me to do percentages on this, I'll, I'll give it a 30%. Okay. I just think it's a situation that the Bills, until the emergence of James Cook, had become very one-dimensional, and teams were game planning for Cook. I mean, I'm, not, I'm sorry, not Cook, um, Diggs. Yeah. And I think the problem is Gabe Davis, for as everybody thought he's this amazing number two, he's a solid companion piece. Uh-huh. But I don't think that he's a, a true number two in the sense that he'll take over games. Uh-huh. I think that they're waiting on somebody to emerge. Shakir did. Sure. He runs great routes. Sure. So it does help take some pressure off. But I think for Diggs' case, I mean, it's hard to say. He could have been injured, but I think it's. I think I agree with Josh Allen's assessment of it too. Teams game plan for him a lot better. Yeah, that's true. I and, mean, he, he did hit over 1,000 yards receiving this year, mm-hmm. which, you know, hey, good. But you the reason I bring this up is you look at the game log and, sp- and the, where it breaks it down sure. game by game. I'm not going to read them all off, but of the 17 games they played this year, uh, you had he only hit 100 yards receiving one, two, three, four, five times. Yeah. And his most yards received this year was against the Jacksonville Jaguars on October the 8th where he hit 121 yards receiving. That was his high mark of the year. Let me even throw this to you. Okay. How many games does Josh Allen have an interception? A lot. How many times is he going to digs with those? Oh, that's a good question. Just saying. I think that he understood that he wanted to please his wide receiver uh, and, and doing the right thing. He was trying to get him the ball. That's that could be. But I think there was a lot of careless throws that went in that direction, too, that – it just didn't pan out, especially when defenses are game planning for you. Fuck for that. Christ, this will be an easier stat to give you. Uh, Josh Allen this season only had only had one, two, three games without an interception this mm-hmm. year. Yeah, that, that's the easier stat. Well, like we say, he's the modern day Brett Favre in the in the playing sense. This is true. Five touchdowns or five interceptions, you get what this you get. This is true. And this game he played very well, but I think moving forward, the Bills have to make a coaching change. Mm-hmm. As painful as that might sound for a lot of people. 
I think this is where it needs to go. Mm-hmm. I know the name that got thrown around. Uh, I know Rich from 3FN said it uh, yeah. first, and then Rex Ryan did. Bill Belichick. Um, it would be interesting, but I think the question really with Bill at this stage is what does he want to do with, at his age? Mm-hmm. And if he wants all that control. I think he's had enough of the cold weather personally. Well, you never know. Like I think if he wants to win now, I honestly thought the ideal team for him is the Chargers. Yeah. I st- and I will stand by that statement. I, I think the ideal spot for him is the NFC. Anybody like because the AFC he's he's done he's dealt with the AFC for his entire career. Well, you know, and and it's just a changing of it's not even fuck it's not even I was gonna say changing of the colors it's not even a changing of the colors it's still red white and blue mm-hmm. you know but you still got to deal with Patrick Mahomes you still got to deal with Tua you still got to deal with Aaron Rodgers because you got to figure he's coming back for another year with the Jets and you know he's gonna come back with a vengeance next year mm-hmm. you still got to deal with with Cincinnati and Joe Burrow is gonna be coming back Lamar Jackson is still there in Baltimore. Cleveland, whatever the hell they end up doing. You got Houston, which overperformed and exceeded everyone's expectations. Mahomes is still there, Justin Herbert or whatever he ends up doing. You know, so that's why the if he really wants to hit that all-time wins thing and try and get another Super Bowl, easiest way for him is going to be the NFC. But who's open though? That's a good. That's a good point. See that this is a situation that if you're the Bills, you can entertain all day. Oh sure. I just don't know where you go necessarily. And yeah, this, that's a yeah, situation yeah. that I think they need to get somebody in there that can get them to that next level mm-hmm. that isn't going to freak out in the second half and the, the final two minutes of games. And I think, unfortunately, as much as McDermott has motivated his team, I think they plateaued in that sense. Right now, they're they're eerily similar to the 2006 2000, to 2009 Chargers. Mm-hmm. And I had, a, I had a friend send me this, so I can't take credit for this. But the 2006 to 2009 Chargers, during the regular season in that period, 46 and 18, Buffalo Bills. You know, this is from 2020 to this year. Mm-hmm. So the Chargers during that period, uh, 06 to 09, 46 and 18, Bills 48 and 18. Yeah. In the playoffs, Chargers were three and four, Bills are five and four. Uh, division titles, four each. Uh, points per game, 28 apiece. Uh, opponents' points per game, 19 for both teams. Uh, AFC championship game appearances, both have had one. And divisional round appearances, both have had four. I mean... It, it, if you want to go down as a champion, you know, clearly something's got to change. No, something does have to change. I mean, it's not wrong. And that's the situation Bills are going to have to look at moving forward. Mm-hmm. For Kansas City, listen, I'm just going to put it point blank. They shouldn't have won this game. They're playing on borrowed time. Baltimore is a totally focused team. I know the point spread right now is only Baltimore by three. Uh, and it was announced just a little bit ago as we record the legends of the game that will be in attendance at the Ravens game. The Ravens have like legends of the game. They attend mm-hmm. the game. Some dude named Ray Lewis and some dude named Ed Reed. Baltimore by 10. Mark the tape. Lewis and Reed are going to be at the game. Plus sign a one day contract, put him in the game. Plus, no, well, they have Mark Andrews coming back too for Baltimore. Yes. And they have another defensive player that's escaping me right now. Uh, is it Humphreys, I think? Something like that, yeah. He's coming back as well, too. Listen, I'm just going to put it out there right now, unless the manifesto idea that I've unfortunately come across of Taylor Swift holding off the Lombardi trophy at the center of the Super Bowl. You almost manifested one with Kelsey Bowl Part 2. Yeah. And then the, the football gods nixed that idea. Yeah. I, I was, and then you manifested another one. Yeah. Can you manifest another Patriots Super Bowl? No, because I don't want to have bad things uh-huh. happen. I need the Bills to win one before I die. But I think in this situation, unless unless the the weird karma happens and 
Like, like Lamar forgets how to play. Yeah, this is going to be Baltimore all day. Should be. I think that they are smart enough to understand to take out the key weapons, and they're literally going to dare uh-huh. Mahomes to beat them. He, they're going to dare the other receivers to beat them. Mm-hmm. Because this is going to be a low-scoring game. Uh huh. This could be a literally 13-3 to game. As wild as it sounds, or I'll even the, say twenty to ten. The stat line to keep an eye on is going to be how many rushing attempts the Ravens have. Yeah, they're going to just run it. They're between Lamar and their other running backs. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say right now, as a team, thirty-five to forty rushing attempts. I take that. I take that somewhere easy. between thirty-five and forty. That's what's going to be the interesting game there because I fully think it's going to be Baltimore punching their ticket. Yeah, and I, I'm hoping Detroit, man. I would love to see. Detroit. I would love to see Detroit. Do it. I would love to see Detroit, but honestly, I think San Francisco got a wake up call last week. Could be, and I think that the second it's all going to come down to that secondary. Yeah, and that's where I feel Detroit's biggest weakness is right now, and I think Brock Purdy is going to exploit that probably. But we'll have to wait to see how it all shapes up, though. But definitely. Interesting headlines coming out of this past weekend's divisional round games. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. Who you got going on to the Super Bowl? Let's talk about that. We gave you our predictions. And what do you think about the fate of the teams that have punched their way uh, to the offseason, the Bills, the Packers? A lot of storylines heading there. So let's talk some football, shall we? We're going to take a quick break first, though. We'll be right back. Do you like comic books? What about movies and TV shows? Well, we may be the show for you. We're Hops Geek News, a weekly podcast that discusses comics, movies, and TV shows while featuring a beer of the week. Every week we chat about what we messed up on the week before, and then we dive into what we're reading and watching, as well as some news. We then wrap it up with a geek-themed topic of the week. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts by searching Hops Geek News. Cheers. Cheers. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we have to recap an interesting weekend of fights in the UFC. Mm-hmm. A little event went down, generated a little bit of buzz. Mm-hmm. Pad, what was the event? Uh, so the event was UFC 297 taking place north of the border uh, here in the United States, states uh, at, in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, at the Scotiabank Arena, uh, which had 18,559 folks in attendance for what ended up being very interesting card, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this one, I would say the main events really were the generating buzz here, but we'll mm-hmm. kind of go over the main card super quick until we get to a little more of a deep dive here. Yeah, so the first fight you had take place on the main card was in the featherweight division where you had uh, Movsar Evolev defeat Arnold Allen via unanimous decision, uh, t- all judges scoring the fight 29-28. Surprising to see Allen take that loss. I did not expect that to happen. Uh, he was one of those fighters that you know was on that verge of making the big breakthrough. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out moving forward. Hey, that's why, you know, they fight the fights looking at the rankings as we currently record. Uh, Evolev jumping up four spots in the featherweight division. Yeah. Currently ranked number five. Only Brian Ortega, Ilya Topura, Yair Rodriguez, Max Holloway, and the champ, Alexander Volkanovsky, ahead of him. Uh, fun Volkanovsky fact I saw yesterday. Mm. He has now, or probably now since I saw it yesterday, eclipsed John Jones' uh, record, quote-unquote, uh, or like the length of time John Jones had as light heavyweight champion. Uh, Volkanovski is at like over 100, 1,100 days uh, dif- uh, holding the uh, featherweight title. Interesting. Yeah, I, I was like, wait, it's been that long? And I looked it up, and yeah, it's been that long. 
Hmm. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, uh, that is kind of wild to see. But, I mean, featherweight division could obviously use some kind of buzz. I mean, Evolve couldn't keep going, but, I mean, that's how stacked that division's quietly getting. Mm-hmm. So I'll have to wait to see. But, yeah, Volkanovski definitely has a couple interesting fights in the horizon, too. Uh, next up for 297, though, was the middleweight division, where you had Chris Curtis defeat Mark andre uh, Barrault via split decision. One ju- Two judges scoring the fight 30-27, the third scoring the fight 28-29. Close fight. Yeah, huh? No real argument about that one. Yeah. Uh, then in the welterweight division, you had Neil Magny defeat Mike Mellot via TKO at four minutes and 45 seconds of the third round. Big upset there. Woo-hoo! Neil Magny still getting it done, surprisingly, uh, at this stage, because he's, like I say, he's one of those fighters, he'll, he'll scrap in every fight. Mm-hmm. He is going to be a tough opponent, but he's not on that level, in my opinion, like, He's not in that conversation of, like, the top tier. Uh, Neil Magny scrapping at the ripe old age of 36. Yes, but he <laughs> definitely is a sound performer, and this is a I, this has to be a big upset in my opinion, so this is a very interesting to see where he goes from here, but he's the he's the guy that will fight anybody, though, and that's one thing I love about Magny. Uh, Magny got a slight bump in the welterweight rankings uh, as we record, jumping up one space to the 12th position. Okay. Uh, next up was in the women's bantamweight division. This was the co-main event of the evening, and this was for the vacant UFC Women's Bantamweight Championship, and you had Raquel Pennington emerge victorious, defeating uh, Myra Bueno Silva via unanimous decision. Uh, two judges scoring the card 49-46, the third judge scoring the card 49-45. Well, this one was a test of wills, mm-hmm. in my opinion, and this is something that Pennington, in my opinion needed very badly mm-hmm. it's something that i've been very strongly saying here on the show for quite some time yep if she lets her hands go she can do some damage and she finally did but bueno silva was a very very ready opponent mm-hmm. and was doing all she could to you know weather the storm that Pennington was throwing. Because, mm-hmm. goddamn, I'm looking at the stats here, UFC.com, because they give you all the stats if you go to the fight card on their website. Uh, for the full fight total strikes, Pennington threw 265 compared to 96 from Silva. Oh, my God. Yeah, Pennington has hands for days. Pennington has hands for days, and uh, I'm going to say it right now, uh, Silva has a body of titanium. Yes. Goddamn. Yeah, this was, like I say, a, a methodical pace to it. And like I say, it's, it might not have been the most exciting fight for a lot of fans, but right. it's a situation, too, when you start diving into... You get the nitty-gritty. Yeah, the championship rounds. I mean, this is a situation that when you see fights like this play out, mm-hmm. they're not going to be, quote-unquote, show stealers. Right. But they're still solid fights. I mean, that's why it is an art form, and that's why it's mixed martial arts. And like you said, digging into a little more of the nitty-gritty... Uh, this was uh, Silva's first fight that went into the championship deep waters. Every other fight uh, she has fought in the UFC has not gone past the third round because this is her first championship fight. Mm-hmm. So kudos to her and kudos to Pennington. Yeah. So this is a huge win for Pennington. Yeah. And then the question now becomes who's next because obviously with Amanda Nunez vacating the title. And retiring, yep. Yeah, this is a situation that you'd have to say safe money – 
is on Julianne Pena. Currently the number one ranked fighter. I am looking at Raquel Pennington's uh, record, and I'm not going to run through everybody, but just doing a quick scan of the names of who she's fought, uh, has not fought Juliana Pena. Yeah, so that fight would make a lot of sense to me. I mean, it's easy booking. But there's also a signee <laughs> that came in oh boy. that is debuting at this weight class mm-hmm. for UFC 300. Mm-hmm. And, Pat, who is that? That would be Kayla Harrison. Now, if you're not familiar with who she is, uh, get familiar because, holy fuck, uh, she was previously with the Professional Fighters League, or the PFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, just reading through some of the accolades on her, <clears throat> on her uh, Wikipedia page. She is a one-time World Juniors Championship. That was in 2008 in Bangkok. Uh, she is a one- Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight time gold medalist at the International Judo Federation Grand Prix. She is a three time gold medalist at the International Judo Federation Grand Slam. She is a two time gold medal winner at the World's Masters, two time gold medal winner at the Pan American Championships, two time gold medal winner at the Pan American Games, a uh, one time gold medal winner at the World Championships. Oh, by the way, she's also a two time Olympic gold medalist, once in 2012 in London, another time in 2016 in Rio. And then you look at her mixed martial arts record uh well let's jump to she's got her judo record uh she is 45 and 7 uh and then you go to her mixed martial arts record and in her professional record in 17 professional matches she has 16 wins uh six of them by knockout six are by submission four by decision and only one loss that yeah. loss coming to larissa uh, pacheo uh, at pfl 10 in november of 2022 was a unanimous decision loss so I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. We know that she is now booked to fight Holly Holm at UFC 300. Mm -hmm. If Harrison, who usually fights at 145, if I'm not mistaken, uh, disposes of Holly Holm easily, mark my word, she's getting an immediate title shot. And I don't think there's any question of that. Uh, looking at the notes specifically in her record, because it doesn't give you the actual weight class, you just kind of got to discern some stuff. Uh, her last fight was a catchweight 150 bout. Uh, prior to that, she was fighting in the lightweight division in the PFL. Yeah. So, like I say. So, so she could be in that 145 range. Which, I mean, to drop down to 135, that is a lot of weight to cut for fights. Yeah. Harrison, like I said, if Harrison can do this and is comfortable at this weight class, I mean, this is a big win for the UFC no matter what. So, Absolutely. So, I mean, that's the, that's first and foremost. And I think that now Harrison's committed to doing this. Yeah, there's no question about that. And I, I'm going to say fully right now, if she wins this fight, Oof. you can already pencil her in for the next contender for Pennington if it's not Julia Pena. Holly Holm, currently the number five ranked fighter in the women's bantamweight division. Right. So that's going to be the situation playing out there. <laughs> Clearly, Dana and the powers that be are high on Kayla Harrison. Yo, oh, without question. I mean, the pedigree says itself. So she is going to come in, make a lot of noise, and then I'm I'm even going to throw something else out there. Fucking Christ! I'm uh, sorry. I'm looking at her record and just like she she didn't have a decision win until her fourth fight in her professional career. Submit armbar submission, knockout, knockout. She had a unanimous decision when, holy fuck. Yeah, well, because here's another idea they could even do. Okay. Nunez has been teasing about possibly coming back. Oh. I would say this. Yo. If you want box office, <laughs> oh, yo. 
If Harrison wins, put her against uh, um, Nunez. I'm, I'm on board. I will tell you right now, that would be one of the biggest uh, fights in MMA history. Yeah, you can do it. Marks the tape right now. A lot of uh, interesting storylines playing out here with the new champion. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the only uh, championship out on this card. Though. No, so the main event was for the UFC middleweight championship where you had Sean Strickland defending against Driscus Duplessis. Uh, and you had Driscus Duplessis emerge victorious to become your new UFC middleweight championship. Or champion, I should say. Winning by split decision. Uh, the judges scoring this contest 47-48, 48-47, and 48-47. Well, in my opinion, I think Strickland got robbed on this one. Okay. This was a very close fight, like you alluded to. Mm-hmm. Scorecard kind of said it all. Yeah. And in this situation, I have to say, okay, they're not going to do an immediate rematch. Right. Which I'm okay with, but I'm not, because I felt the fight was close enough. Right. Duplessis really looks strong in the middle rounds, the last round, I, I thought that uh, Strickland looked really, really good. Mm-hmm. But I think in this kind of situation, you have to really step back and go, okay, with this all playing out, how, you know what makes the most sense? And I think that obviously, when you talk about fights, you know Israel Adesanya is lurking around. Mm-hmm. It's box office. Yeah, I think that that's the fight they're going to make. But I thought that this one, I mean, if they decided to do an immediate rematch, I would have been okay with. Mm-hmm. I would not have had an issue in any which way, shape, under form. Right. And especially with being a split decision, I just think that, you know, maybe this would have been the route to go. But with Adesanya lurking around, mm-hmm. obviously, if you can try booking that for 300, it would make sense. But I right. mean, I, I just think with the fight being this close, like, you. You have to run it back. I mean, the fight ultimately came down to the third round because I'm looking at the judges' scorecards, current courtesy of UFC.com slash scorecards. Uh, and all three judges for this fight scored the first, second, uh, first round. The, let me say it this way, make it easier. They scored the first round to Sean Strickland. Mm-hmm. They scored the second round to Driscus. They scored the third round, or fourth round, excuse me, to Driscus. And they scored the fifth round to Strickland. Where it comes into you know debate and ultimately where we got to the split decision, two of the three judges scored that third round to Driscus. The third judge gave the third round to Strickland. Yeah. So it ultimately comes down to who did you have winning that third round fight? Yeah, I mean, it's a great debate too. Mm-hmm. Especially there was a – I didn't catch it, but I did see the aftermath though. I mean, there was a headbutt that was involved. Yeah, I heard about that. So – it's tough, but I mean, Duplessis though stepped up to the occasion. But like I say, in this kind of situation, I would be okay with them running it back. I just don't. I, I just don't think they're going to. I mean, they've already said they're not going to do it, which I think Strickland unfortunately has to win a couple fights before he's back in that title contention. Well, I mean, he is currently ranked number one. Uh, Israel Adesanya is number two. Uh, this is in the middleweight division, by the way. Uh, Robert Whitaker is number three. Jared Canyonier is number four, and Marvin Vittori is number five. Yeah, Strickland's got to get somebody in that top five. Oh, by the way, there's some dude named Hamzat Chemayev lurking at number nine. Chemayev is an interesting character as well, too, because I would not doubt them sneaking him in to fight Duplessis. Could be. The one thing is you have to get the temp of the room of the audience. Yeah. When was the last time Chemayev fought? Uh, I can look it up. 
Because that's the situation that they're now dancing around with because, let's face it, at one point he was fighting, it's felt like, every week. And then he wasn't. Last fight was against uh, Kamaru Usman on October 21st of last year. Right. And uh, was a majority decision win. Yeah, he he absolutely took it to Usman, which, I mean, speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. But now it's a situation where he could move up a weight class and go there. Yeah. But the only thing I would be fearful of, and we've we've touched upon this, when he's in that main event spotlight, is he going to blow weight again? That is the question. I mean, we have to remember that, that that was a thing. Obviously, him against Nate Diaz. Yeah. So if you give him that big spotlight, is he going to be able to handle that and all the pressure that comes with making weight, your, the marquee matchup on the pay-per-view, so you kind of have to you know, fix all this in the equation, too. But, I mean, the pluses has the doors wide open uh-huh. for what he wants to do. And, like I say, I think the fight with Strickland would make a lot of sense. I just don't think they're going to do it. I mean, I think they, they are going to book him and Adesanya. Uh-huh. I, I think they're going to do a rematch there between those two. And I would say this. I would put Strickland against Chemayev. Well, if you ask Ch- Chemayev and he gets his say, uh, he wants Duplessis at th- UFC 300. Yeah. Uh, reading from an article on ESPN.com, courtesy of Brett Okamoto, uh, quote, undefeated UFC middleweight Kamzat Chemayev said he saw, quote, nothing special during Saturday's title fight between Driscus Duplessis and Sean Strickland and is ready to take the belt from Duplessis at UFC 300 in April. Chemayev hasn't fought since he defeated former welterweight champion Kamar Usman at UFC 294 in October. The 29-year-old suffered a torn ligament in his hand during that fight and said he came down with a lung infection afterwards that hospitalized him for a week. Uh, he has since returned to training in Dubai, however, and is eager to book a title fight. Quote, for me, Strickland won the fight, but it was a close fight, uh, Chemayev told ESPN on Monday. But it was nothing special, nothing that made me think these guys are somebody. I see I can finish them both. I go to a fight. I always try to finish somebody. I didn't see one of uh, one of them going crazy trying to finish. They were both going for five rounds, close quote. Yeah. So that, that explains why we haven't seen him in a while, torn ligament plus a lung infection. Uh, but if he gets his way, we'll see him in uh, April. I mean, I think it would be smart money to put him on the card if he can go. Yeah. I mean, if he's physically able to put him on there against anybody. I don't know Strickland about um, recovery time right. from the fight. Right. But I would say this. If he can fight Duplessis, I'd make that fight. Yeah. If he can fight Strickland, I'd make that fight. Or, you know, if Adesanya is ready to come back, I'd make that fight. Like I say, there's a lot of headlines that can go here with a new champion. I just think in this situation they should run it back. Mm-hmm. And I'm usually not a proponent for that, but I think Strickland. When it's this close, it's this close. And like I say, I understand that Strickland is a little bit of a uh, interesting character. Yeah, like he's um, as genuine as you're going to see. Yeah, like his views are his views. Yeah. I do not argue with him because he's authentic. He's not mm-hmm. Kobe Covington. Yeah. And I know that maybe that will rub some people the wrong way, but he's well, up, yeah. But yeah. you know what? He is who he is, and I don't think that should be held against him. He's, a, he's up front about it, and you can tell it's not a character. No, absolutely not. So I think that they're smart. They they book him in a high-profile match. Him, Like I said, him and uh, Chimaya. Him and Chimaya would be some fireworks on a, on a promo. But Oh, Jesus. We will have to wait and see about that. UFC needs – remember like five, ten years ago, whatever it was, you had those like multi-man, multi-woman press conferences yeah. where it was all the champs, all of this male and female. Please bring those back. Those are fucking amazing. Yeah, they're long overdue for oh that. Oh, my God. 
But in the meantime, though, we have a lot of headlines to talk about, so let's make sure we do that. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts of the fallout of UFC 297? Who do you think won the main event, and where do you think all the champions go from here? Because now it's a whole new playing field and a lot of great fights we can make. So that said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, all. I'm Frank. Join me and my friends as we talk about all things geek. Here at Geek Freaks Podcast, we go over the weekly news of everything in geekdom, from movies to TV, video games, and comic books. We also have a growing YouTube community. Join us as we go over everything in your geek life and share in the love of geekdom. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and it's time to talk a little pro wrestling. Oh, baby. It is that time of year, folks. The road to WrestleMania officially kicks off for the WWE with the Royal Rumble. The roads to WrestleMania? Well, maybe, maybe not, because there's been a lot of headlines since the last we've talked pro wrestling here <laughs> there's been a few. on the ODPH. There's been a few. But there's one story that has kind of eclipsed everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, going into the Royal Rumble, and that was a little late-breaking news that we got to kind of deep dive and give our thoughts about. Yeah, so the news came down uh, yesterday as we record and was announced, and I'm reading from an article on WWE.com. It says, quote, WWE, part of TKO Group Holding and Netflix, announced today a long-term partnership that will bring WWE's flagship weekly program, Raw, to the world's leading entertainment service. This marks a major programming shift as Raw leaves linear television for the first time since its inception 31 years ago. Beginning in January 2025, Netflix will be the exclusive new home for Raw in the United States, Canada, the United Kingdom, and Latin America, among other territories, with additional countries and regions to be added over time. Likewise, as part of the agreement, Netflix will also become the home for all WWE shows and specials outside of the United States as well uh, as available, inclusive of Raw and WWE's other weekly shows, SmackDown and NXT, as well as the company's premium live events, including WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and the Royal Rumble. WWE's award-winning documentaries, original series, and forthcoming projects will also be available on Netflix internationally beginning in 2025. Close quote. Huge move. Massive. Huge. Like when it's getting reported by like the Associated Press and, you know, major news networks and, and beyond, you know, the dirt sheets and some of the sports pages, Sports Illustrated, which I, you know thoughts out to those guys yeah um but like when it's getting reported by like abc cbs you know the associated press you know this is big news well the one thing that we now live in as fans is the endeavor era uh-huh and tko is definitely making some big moves they'll say well, the other one that got announced was uh the rock is on the board of the board of directors mm -hmm. that's a very interesting time period because Oof. they decided media blitz everything on tuesday do you th do you think that's what rock meant when he was on raw and he said head of the table Possibly. <laughs> he could be swerving everybody, which would be amazing. I was just going to say. Which, I, for everybody that's in a little uh, feeling, so to speak, about what's going on with Cody Rhodes, 
if that's what he's referring to, that could be an ultimate play on words. And kudos to them for getting one over on everybody. Also, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say right now, a little nepotism. Same day he becomes on the board of the board of governors, his daughter becomes GM of NXT. Interesting time. Calling it out right now. But this is still a major win for WWE. Oh, it's it's massive for Netflix. This is a huge shot in the arm that yeah. they needed. You know, yeah. some new life, uh, adrenaline getting pumping them in the veins, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah, because this is their first, in my recollection. In, uh, attempts of doing like episodic television in the in the form of sporting events. Um, in terms of like a live broadcast, the only things they've really done is they've done some comedy specials, right? That have done live. I know there's been a couple of like reality shows they've they've tried doing live. I, I know there was one a couple of years ago they tried, but like the ser- it was so popular the servers crashed mm-hmm. and they couldn't air it live, so they had to air it traditionally how they do and just drop it for everyone. Um, and I know they've been dabbling into the sports stuff more. They've had the they had the quarterback show they did, which is kind of like a behind. The, it's almost like a hard knocks thing, but following a couple quarterbacks. Yeah, I know Marcus Mariota, Patrick Mahomes, and I want to say Kirk Cousins were a part of that. Uh, I know they've got the uh, NBA one that's coming that's in the in a similar format, you know, with LeBron and a bunch of others. Um, they've got the Formula One show that they do, and they've got a NASCAR one coming too. So there's they, they're starting to dip into the into the sports world a little bit more and they kind of weekly, you know, week to week follow people stuff a little bit more, but this is going to be their first foray into something that drops weekly, you know, and is going to be live because obviously we're, we're talking about this just under a year away. So things could change, but from the reports and the sounds of things, this is going to be a live broadcast, you know, cause there's going to be commercials and there's going to be what I have you that it's going to be kind of like a more traditional feel of how you're used to. But from the reports I've read, it sounds like if you are on the ad free, uh, tier of Netflix, it sounds like you're going to get kind of like a satellite feed type of thing mm. where like you, you keep seeing the action, you don't go to commercial break. So, it, but that could change. We'll see what happens. But now this, this is huge because as the, as the article says, Raw has been on television for its entire duration. Yes, it's changed networks, you know, a couple of times, but for 30 years, it's been on TV and in less than a year now, it's not going to be. Mm-hmm. It's a crazy idea to kind of wrap our, wrap our heads around. Yeah. And I know some people, we got to clear one little thing up. I know some people are getting confused by the wordage in the article. If you're in the United States, the, the PLEs and the past episodes and and what have you are still going to be on peacock Mm -hmm. that deal runs through 2026 if i'm not mistaken or is it's up in 2026 some one of the two uh the only way or the only spaces the premium live events are going to be on netflix is if it's overseas the way and the way nick Khan explained it on the pat mcafee show it's going to be on Netflix unless you're in a country or a region where they already have a pre-existing deal. The uh, example he gave is India. Mm-hmm. They've got to deal with somebody over in India where the, the premium live events are, are on a specific thing over there. So it won't be Netflix. So wherever you are come 2025, you're going to have to figure out where it's going, which is going to be a little bit of a headache for all of maybe a day or so. But once you get it figured out, it'll be easy. Mm-hmm. And it'll be a real question about who's going to be the champion then. Uh-huh. But in the short term... Who's going to be punching their ticket for WrestleMania this year? Yeah, all goes through the Royal Rumble. Yes, a thirty-person match for the men's and women's division. That the winner gets a title shot against the champion of their choice at WrestleMania, taking place this year in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So we've got the card as it's slated right now. Yes. So let's get into it. Yeah. So this takes place this Saturday from uh, Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg, Florida. That is the home of the Tampa Bay Rays. So hey, at least they get to see a little bit of winning in that field. 
Hey, hey, oh, go ahead. Uh, listen, it's hey, at least I can say what I say. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it takes place this Saturday. Uh, of course, you've got the men's Royal Rumble match. Which is, uh, it is the 30 man Royal Rumble match uh, with a for a world championship match at WrestleMania, as you alluded to. Uh, Got to say, I like this year. We don't know everyone who's in it. Yeah. Uh, because the currently announced uh, wrestlers we know of are Cody Rhodes, CM Punk, Shinsuke Nakamura, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, Gunther, Chad Gable. Otis, Akira Tozawa, Kofi Kingston, and Damian Priest. Yeah, I love the field so far. They've been teasing it. They haven't mm-hmm. fully revealed the deck. Uh-huh. And that's something that the Royal Rumble has always been something fans will look forward to is the surprises. Well, and that's where it's at its best. Because I know a couple of years ago, we knew like 27 of the 30. So that really took away. Because that's the mystique and that's the intrigue. That even if you haven't watched or kept up on wrestling for this year, you can still jump in for this and watch it. And, mm-hmm. and when you ultimately know 27 of the 30 people are going to show up, when you only got three three people who are mysteries that are going to be either you know returning from, you know, quote-unquote retirement or call-ups from NXT or somebody like the one you're with, Mickey James, who was in another promotion altogether, mm-hmm. it really takes away the mis- mystery and the mystique. So the fact we only know 11 out of 30, I'm all for. Yeah, I'm absolutely in for it. I mean, obviously, the two front runners you have to think are Cody Rhodes and CM Punk. Uh-huh. For various storyline purposes. If you're playing a drinking game on Saturday, uh, take a shot. Every time they mention Cody Rhodes could become the first two-time back-to-back Royal Rumble winner since Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm -hmm. You might not make it out of there sober. Like I say, the field is wide open on this one. Uh, Pad, before you kind of give your prediction for a winner, any surprises anybody you think there's like a lock and leap? Well, I think that you're going to get some surprises with this just because you think back to when Triple H took things over at SummerSlam a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. First match on the main card was, you know, you had the Bianca Belair match where she beat Becky, and then you had Bailey show up, and Dakota Kai, and Io, Io Shirai, then now Io Sky made their surprise return. So Triple H in his time as, as Booker has always been about those surprise uh, returns. I would expect we're going to get some some surprise returns. No, I don't think we're going to see MJF. I wouldn't be surprised to see Okada, mm-hmm. just because I know Rich told me because I'm not the biggest New Japan uh, watcher. I do know he finished his last match over the over the weekend. So where we previously thought the Royal Rumble was out, eh, maybe not so much. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a Nakamura. Um, you know, her, Shane Helms, Hurricane, Hurricane always usually makes an appearance at these. You know. Big show, oh, no, Big Show signed AEW. I was gonna say Big Show, but no, no Big Show. Um, it's gonna be interesting. I, I, I well, I'll say this X Pac because I know he's playing like the oh, I can't go, I don't have enough time. You know, I need a little bit more time to get. I wouldn't be surprised to see X Pac make a run in. I know there's one name that he threw out himself on Monday Night Raw. Please no. I yeah. know, I know, yeah, you, I know. I know you and I have the same reaction when Hulk Hogan mentioned, yo, I might have one more in me. Please no, no, no pl- uh, please no. Yeah, I, I will say the, uh, he will not be there. Uh, at least I can't see him doing the match. No, I could see him doing a, a quick promo video or something. Yeah, to lead in. But I mean, I, I, reasons, I, but I think if he shows up for anything, it's probably going to be WrestleMania, just because it's the 40th WrestleMania. And he kicked off WrestleMania with Hulkamania and all that. Like I could see that, but for this, yeah. Well, I mean, Tampa is close to St. Petersburg, so I think that might yeah. be the only reason he might show. Yeah, but no, if I have to guess, locks. I'll do this locks and leap style. I think lock is Okada. Okay. If anybody has not been following, the biggest star of New Japan Pro Wrestling is now leaving the company. He is slated to be heading over to the United States to join either WWE or AEW. So depending on how you're feeling about this, a lot of intrigue is involving him. But I would have to say I have a feeling he is definitely set to come to WWE. Okay. What better place to introduce him to the fans than the Royal Rumble? 
It'll be an explosive pop, uh, much like when AJ Styles debuted. Uh-huh. Just don't fuck up the camera angle like you did AJ Styles. Yeah, no, I don't think they're going to. I think the production value for Okada coming in is going to be huge, and then where he goes from there is anybody's guess. The leap aspect, I will go out and say, we're going to just have some fun with this one. I'm going to say it's MJF. Woo-hoo, okay. I think. The meltdown on the IWC, if that happens. You know what? Even, even if he doesn't sign officially, if he comes in just for one night because he's a free agent. Quote-unquote, yeah. Why not? Yeah. I mean, that's that would be something to get people talking. Because there, there's a lot of folks online who are adamant he's re-signed with AEW. Well, I think for him in his situation, I don't think we know technically. No, I don't think we he's do. He's taken off a lot of time mm-hmm. to heal up, which, I mean, he's needed to do. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know the status of like how good his shoulder is and such. Correct. So, But if he had to come in for a quick run-in, mm-hmm. then, you know, I could see it happening. I just think that it would be kind of interesting to see how it plays out because he, if WWE offers him enough money to leave and he's a free agent, then money he could. talks. Well, that's the situation about with AEW that unless they locked him up, but I don't believe they did. They would have announced it by now. Why? Well, yeah, I think that. Because Mox, correct me if I'm wrong, Moxley, when they announced his deal, his deal wasn't even up. And they announced that he had signed a deal to keep him there for like whatever it was, five, six, seven years. Yeah. They didn't wait. They just announced it. No, I mean, and I will say this, we're as critical as we are of AEW. Hi, folks. Um, I thought they did the smart move by getting the belt off him. Right. So now it kind of puts that intrigue in the air. Sure. So it's, is it possible? Yeah, absolutely. So that's Anything's what I'm going to say. Anything's possible. CM, gonna... CM Punk's back in WWE. Anything's possible. I think it would make for a quick... Uh, you know, one and done for him to be in, and then let's have the internet burn down. Could be. And then winner-wise, Pat, who you got? I'm going to say CM Punk. Uh, listen, I would love to see Cody Rhodes go back-to-back, you know, and I know they're going to hype that up the entire time whenever he comes out. But I just think, listen, this entire year from Royal Rumble 30, or not Royal Rumble 39, WrestleMania 39 up to WrestleMania 40 has been about the trials and tribulations of Cody Rhodes. And just, he almost, you know, summited the mountain and was almost at the top, winning the belt, which, you know, nobody in his family ever did in WWE. And he almost got there. And it's been, you know, getting knocked down the mountain and climbing back up. And just, it, it'd be too cookie cutter to have him do it again. Mm-hmm. So to have him have to go that extra step and go, you know, and and, and basically do a storyline where I have to win at the Elimination Chamber, because if I don't, I'm not going to be on WrestleMania, which we all know is bullshit. It's storyline. It's, of course. It, you know, it's just them painting the picture for the story. He'll, he'd still be on WrestleMania, even if he didn't win the Elimination Chamber or the Royal Rumble. But it makes for a better story that, like, you try to sell it on, you know, oh, he, he, he like, I'll say this Cody will be in the final four. He'll be in the final three. I don't know if he'll be the final two. That, that might be a little too much. We'll see. But I, I think it's going to be CM Punk. I agree with you. I think it's going to be CM Punk. I think because they're ultimately going to set up something for WrestleMania involving him. Mm-hmm. I don't think Gunther, is, I know, has become a hot rumor as of late. Right, yeah. But I still think that he's got Brock Lesnar, who, <laughs> who could also make an appearance here as well. Boy, howdy. Give me that fight. Yeah, I think that he is probably a safe bet for a surprise. I think they're going to set up that for Mania. Probably. So that would make a lot more sense there. And I agree with you. I think Cody's story is going to take some dips and dives mm-hmm. before we finally get to whatever match they're going to do for him at WrestleMania. Yeah. 
But I could also see it being a situation that him and Punk go over at the same time, and Punk, Ooh. you know, claims he lands first, and Ooh. they have to kind of have a little face off for it too. So I okay. think I don't think this will be as just clean cut as everybody wants okay. it to be. Uh, and then obviously there is the women's Royal Rumble match, which is a thirty woman Royal Rumble match for a uh, women's championship match at WrestleMania forty, uh, and we only know six participants out of the thirty uh, for this year, which again love. We don't know everybody. We barely even know half. Uh, so the uh, participants that are announced as of this recording are Bailey, Nia Jax, Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Maxine Dupree, and Ivy Nile. Hmm. Very stacked lineup thus yeah, far. I mean, very good. E- even for six names, that's still a great yeah. lineup for the match. Mm-hmm. And that's leaving a lot of possibilities. I think you're going to have a nice influx from NXT. Yes. Agreed. So Tiffany Stratton, I'd expect make an appearance. Tiffany's my lock to be because she's, she's been off NXT or not really featured as much as of late. Well, they had her in that little feud with Fallon Henley yeah. for for, yeah. for a little bit, and then yeah. I think that yeah, they're they're purposely having her off TV for now to be a big surprise at yeah. the Rumble. Yeah. So I mean, Pat, I mean, who's your locks and leaps for this one? I'm going to give you two leaps, okay? Because I'm feeling generous, generous. Uh, Trinity, okay, Naomi, and Sasha, Mercedes. Oh, okay. I'm going out on that limb, uh, and then for my and then for my lock, I'm gonna say Alexa. Oh, that's I'm right. Gonna, I'm gonna say Alexa. She got married. She had a uh, to Ryan Cabrera. Yes, the musician Ryan Cabrera. Uh, they had a kid together. Uh, you know, I think she might. You know, we haven't really heard much from her. You know, in terms of oh, she's doing this, she's doing that. Like been kind of quiet. Understandably so. Just had a kid. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, she might not be back for like a full run, but you know what? One night appearance. She lives in the Florida area. One night appearance at the Royal Rumble. I'm going to say Alexa Bless. Okay. Uh, for me, I'm going to say Locke, Tiffany Stratton. I think okay. that, that's that's an easy one. Uh, Leap, I'm going to say Julia. Ooh, okay. I'm going to get the internet talking. And well, you're... and I think the other one that's kind of obvious at this point is going to be... Uh... Oh, what's her name that they signed from? That she was with AEW that they signed. Oh, Jade Cargill. Jade Cargill. Jade Cargill's the obvious one. Yeah, Jade. Jade is more of a lock at it. Yeah. At, at this point too. Yeah. I think Jade will be one of the final four in this. Could be. Um, but I don't think she ultimately wins. I think I'm, and you know I'm going to go a little opposite. Of you. I'm going to say she's middle of the pack just to give her enough time to really showcase her stuff. Yeah, I could see that too. But I don't think she's going to win this one. No, I, I don't either. I am actually going to go out in a little bit of a surprise, and I'm going to say it's Bailey. Uh, you know, I agree with you. I agree with you because the tease and the, the rumors and the theory that, you know, damage control is going to implode and they're going to kick Bailey out or turn on Bailey have been rampant since Crown Jewel. Mm-hmm. I think we're finally going to get that. Yeah. You know, it, it's been alluded to, it's been hinted at, you know, it's been kind of teased. You know, I, I agree. I agree with you on that. Yeah, I could definitely see uh, Becky Lynch being in that conversation too, but I think they telegraphed it too much on Monday. Oh, the other possibility I'm going to give you AJ Lee. That would be something too. Well, not 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 a full re- again, much like Alexa Bliss, not a not a full return, just a one night thing. Yeah, you could come in and just make a quick appearance because, understandably, she has not gotten the flowers she deserves for the work she did in the, in the Divas era. Agreed. Yeah, I have to go with okay, the other one. Going to go with AJ shows up. Which I'm going to mark out when I hear that music because it's been a minute since we've heard her music. Oh, yeah. That place will explode. Uh-huh. I- I'm all here for it. Now, I've got a couple more matches to talk about on the card. It's not going to be a full card because those Rumble matches are going to take up you know, probably At like least a, an hour each. An hour each, if not more. So the other two matches we know of uh, in a singles match for the United States Championship, Logan Paul is defending against Kevin Owens. This is going to be a great match. Logan Paul, love him or hate him, can actually wrestle. He is everything WWE looks for. Yeah. I fully see him retaining. I do, too. 
Uh, Kevin Owens will we'll put him over. This is going to be actually probably one of the sleeper matches mm-hmm. of the night. Um, but, yeah, this is all Logan Paul. Uh, no, I agree with you there. If this were any other time of the year, you know, even if this were like SummerSlam or any other pay-per-view during the year, I'd say Kevin Owens. But you're this close to WrestleMania. Paul's going to be the champ going into Mania. Yeah. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if they have him do a match for Elimination Chamber in Australia. I could see that happening too. You no, know, he's got a, he's got a, again, like you said, love him or hate him. He's got a big international presence. He's he got a lot of fans overseas. Uh, look at the video he did. I believe it was on the Today Show, the Australian version with KSI. Mm-hmm. There was a hell of a lot of crowds outside that building. Yeah, he's got a big fan. So I wouldn't be surprised if they have him do a match for uh, Elimination Chamber in, in uh, Australia. Uh, the other match we got to mention is the fatal four-way match for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship, where Roman Reigns is defending his belt against Randy Orton. AJ Styles and L.A. Knight. Yeah. Can I just say one thing with this whole storyline? Love the storyline. Nick Aldis is amazing as a general manager. Oh, he's fantastic. Oh, my God. Like, I'm, I'm aware of the guy. I knew who he was, and I'd seen some of his promo work and some of his work in the ring. I did not expect to enjoy his work as a general manager as quickly as I have. The moment he had, I think it was two weeks ago now, where... It was supposed to be a triple threat to figure out who faces Roman at the Rumble, but then Roman came out and interfered. And Nick Aldis without a mic, but the the mic the camera the camera operator was holding still picked it up. Said to Paul Heyman, he goes, "Hey, congratulations! You've just earned yourself a fatal four way match between with Roman against all three of these gentlemen." Just the way he's pr- presenting himself and, and delivering his lines on screen, chef's kiss. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's such a professional. I'm, I'm so happy he's in WWE now. Finally, and he's not ruling out a run. You know what? He'd make a great surprise for the Rumble as well. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I don't think he's he's doing that for the situation. Could be. I do see him getting involved in this match in some way, shape, or capacity. Probably. Obviously, with a four-way like this, it's tough to predict a winner. Mm-hmm. But if we have to, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's still going to be Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're ready to move the title off him yet just before Mania. I think this is going to be a great match. I think you are going to have maybe a rock run-in at the end, possibly, if they're going to set that up, which, I mean, they're heavily alluding to doing that at Mania, but it becomes a question of him with the title. Right. Well, I mean, you look at some of the comments Rock made because he was on ESPN First Take the uh, the other day when they were making all their announcements. Mm Mm-hmm. And the way he was kind of alluding to it, because that got brought up on first take, you know, the way he kind of presented it is it might, it's going to be, you know, if he faces Roman, it's going to be at WrestleMania, but he didn't necessarily say it's going to be this WrestleMania. Could be another WrestleMania. No, I agree with you for this match, though. It's going to be Roman. I'm going to go even so far as to, he's going to stack all three of them. He's because I think at this point to keep the the bloodline storyline, because people will say, and even I admit a little bit, it's getting a little old to see solo and and jimmy come out and run the interference and the nonsense and the shenanigans you know for at least this match roman's got to win without a ref bump without you know one of the one of the bloodline members coming out you know there's enough guys in this match that you know you can have some shenanigans go on or what have you mm. you know you got aj and his feelings playing heel face whatever he's going back and forth with but i think for this i i'm going to say roman and i'm going to say he's going to stack all three of them he's going to pin all three of them in the ring yeah well i don't know if he'll do all three i mean that's a great idea though but i don't think he's going to do that i think he does win outright right and then depending on how they want to set things up uh i think somebody will interrupt his celebration at the end could be whether it's Cody, whether it's CM Punk teasing, 
Or if it's The Rock coming out too. See, I think this match will go on first because I think they're. Going oh no, that won't come out first. They're, they'll do one of the. Uh, they'll do the women's rumble first. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because just because of the time constraints. That's true. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I'd say. Because uh, if Roman on, in on last, he's on first. Yeah, I was gonna say Ro- they might actually end with that because I mean, remember they did that last year with uh, Sami Zayn. Right, but that was the whole Sami Zayn storyline, and, all, and right. you don't necessarily have that much of uh, interest. No, there's still interest. But if The Rock is involved, mm, yeah, Rock's coming out last because they're not going to do the Rumble after that. Yeah, that that's true. If if Roman goes on last, something's going on. Oh yeah, absolutely. But there's a lot of storylines going on with that, so we'll definitely have to talk to you, the ODPH Society, about that. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What are your thoughts about the Royal Rumble this weekend? Who are your picks for the men's and women's division? And what's your thoughts about Raw going to Netflix? Let's have a deep dive conversation about that, shall we? And speaking of deep dive conversations, always remember to check out Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Wrestling Night Live on Nerd Initiative, YouTube, and streaming services. Got a lot of conversations going on there this week as well. So that said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about, first of which is obviously the local minute. And looking at the standings for the Federal Prospects Hockey League, that is, of course, the league our local Binghamton Black Bears play in. And looking at the Empire Division, another week, Binghamton, still in first place. Let's go. Uh, through 29 games played, the uh, Black Bears have a record of 19 wins, uh, three losses, six losses in either overtime or shootouts, no overtime wins, and then one shootout win. Uh, they've got 65 points. They are ahead of Motor City, who has 46 points. Danbury's in third place with 44 points. Watertown's in fourth place with 31 points. And Elmira in last place with 25 points. Looking at the schedule they had from this past week, had a couple of games this past weekend, uh, both of them were at home. Uh, Friday, January 19th, they lost to the Danbury Hattricks by the final score of 4-3, to three, but they came back on Saturday and won by the final score of 6-2. to two. Looking ahead to this uh, upcoming weekend, they've got a couple games. Uh, Friday, January 26th, they'll be on the road playing the Watertown Wolves. And then uh, Saturday, January 27th at 7 o'clock Eastern, they're at home playing the Elmira River Sharks. Uh, for more tickets, information, all that good stuff, you can go to BinghamtonBlackBears.com. Now we're going to talk a little bit of golf. Because I heard golf. The, yes, I know. We're not the biggest golf podcast, but I heard this story and I could not fucking believe this. Okay. Equal parts incredible, equal parts infuriating, because over the weekend, uh, there was a historic win at the PGA Tour event, the American Express, where you had 20-year-old Nick Dunlap, who was an amateur, win the uh, PGA Tour event. Okay. First time in 33 years, uh, you know, you had the uh, uh, an amateur try to win a PGA, a PGA Tour event, uh, which he did pull it off. He did say, quote, most nervous I'd ever been by far, just tried to breathe, but also look up and enjoy it a little bit. Close quote. Well, he did pull off the win. However, 
a little bit of bullshit and shenanigans took place uh, because, uh, you know, reading from an article on usatoday.com, partway into the article, it says, quote, this was a momentous occasion for Dunlap, who was still a sophomore at the University of Alabama. He even brought some of his homework with him to California while he played in this event. That's insane. No one ever would have thought someone like him could have beaten out the seasoned PGA Tour veterans in attendance and claim the $1.5 million prize. Well, he won't be able to. Despite winning the event, Dunlap's status as an amateur golfer prevents him from taking home the prize money from this PGA-sanctioned event. Wow. Yeah, so, close quote. So, basically, he wins this event at 20 years old, beats his opponent, but because he's an amateur, he can't claim the prize. That's insane. And the prize is going to be distributed between the folks who finished in second, third, and fourth place. That's some bullshit. Yeah, why does he even enter it at all? I know. That's pointless. Asinine. Needs to be rectified in my humble opinion. Oh, God, yeah. Then we got to talk some Major League Baseball because uh, yesterday the uh, Hall of Famers voting results did emerge uh, in joining Jim Leland, who was the manager of the Detroit Tigers, among a host of other uh, roles. Uh, In Cooperstown this upcoming summer will be Adrian Beltre, uh, played for a whole host of teams, one of the great third basemen of the modern era, got in with 95.1%. Okay. Uh, Just to note, for the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, you need to get in with 75% of the vote. Right. Uh, Todd Helton uh, played his entire career with the Colorado Rockies, got in with 79.7%. Joe Maurer, uh, on his first ballot, played his entire career with the Minnesota Twins, grew up in the St. Paul, Minnesota, got in 76.1% of the vote. Uh, a couple guys who fell short, uh, Billy Wagner, 73.8%, Gary Sheffield in his final final year of eligibility, uh, 63.9%. So he'll look to get in via the Veterans, Com- Veterans Committee uh, if, he, if he should be able to get in because that's not a surefire guarantee thing these days. Right. Uh, you has also had Andrew Jones uh, finished with 61.6%, Carlos Beltran, 57.1%, Alex Rodriguez with 348 and Manny Ramirez with 325 Also should note, uh, David Wright, first year on the ballot, 6 well, I mean, that's that's tough because Wright is more of like, for the Mets Hall of Fame, he'll mm-hmm. be there. But the overall, I mean, it's yeah. tough to say. Beltre makes the most sense to me. Beltre was the biggest no doubt in my mind this year. Just just go look up his stats. It's uh, it's insane. Exactly. Helton and, and Ma- Maurer was surprising first ballot. I didn't Maurer, think. I figure, would get in. Just I wasn't sure if it'd be first or not. Right. That's the only thing there, too. But mm-hmm. can't really argue that. And then next year's class, I mean. Next year's class should be very interesting because some of the notable names you have on the ballot for the first time, uh, some dude named Ichiro Suzuki. Yeah, that's a lock. Some dude named CeCe Sabathia. Should be a lock. Uh, some dude named Dustin Pedroia. Uh, I think he'll get in at some point. I think he'll get in at some point. Some point. I don't know if he'll get first ballot. Got to know. Got to know. He's only got 10 years to get in. It's not the 15, 20, whatever it used to be. It's only 10. Right. Uh, there's a whole bunch of names, but some other notable ones on here. Uh, Felix Hernandez is on there for the first time. Curtis Granderson's on there, a uh, longtime uh, outfielder for a bunch of teams. Russell Martin uh, is on there. Uh, Melky Cabrera is on there, of all folks. Uh, Clay Buckholtz, Francisco Liriano. Uh, so there's going to be some interesting uh, names to see next year. Fernando Rodney, K-Rod's on there. Yeah, I think the only lock right now, though, I'd say is Ichiro. Ichiro's in there. CC should be. CC should be. Should be. Should be is the key word, though. The thing i got to say, though, and I agree with uh, what Adam Jones, uh, not Pac-Man Jones, but Adam Jones, the baseball player, uh, said on Twitter yesterday. Uh, I got to agree with him, though. Quote, whoever votes for the Hall of Fame should have to publicly post their ballots. You're screwing around with people's immortality because they didn't give you a hug. That's poppycock. Close quote. The reason I say this is, as I mentioned, Billy Wagner got super close to getting in and would have gotten in 
if some of the folks from last year voted for him, voted for him this year, because of the public ballots we know of, three folks who voted for him last year didn't vote for him this year because reasons. Mm. And then also two folks just turned in blank ballots because reasons. Yeah. The other interesting one you had is the two gentlemen who voted for Manny Ramirez and Alex Rodriguez and nobody else. Hmm. So I agree with uh, Adam Jones wholeheartedly that that every ballot should be public. The other thing too, is I think they need to go through it every couple of years. I won't say every five, I'll say every 10 years and uh, purge some of the voting folks because I was going through the baseball Reddit yesterday and there's a number of folks who still have a vote for the Hall of Fame despite not having written or covered baseball in a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, okay, you have a grace period where you're good, but once you hit, you know, say however, like 10 years after you've quit writing baseball, you shouldn't have a vote anymore. You're not covering the game anymore. Yeah, agreed. Uh, There's a lot of things they got to do to that voting Mm -hmm. process. So for me, very quickly for sports, uh, NBA news yeah. kind of jumped out of nowhere. A head coaching change for Milwaukee. Uh huh. So Adrian Griffith is out, mm-hmm. and Doc Rivers is in. Shout out to Doc Rivers' career on ESPN covering the finals. Yeah. Didn't even happen. Yeah, I am very shocked at this one. Also, shout out to the Bucks. You're now paying three head coaches. Yeah. this Two, is kinda, two of which aren't even on your uh, roster no more. This is a little crazy for me to figure out. Because obviously in Milwaukee, it's not like they were doing bad mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Second in the East. Yeah. 30 and 13. Like, yeah. to the fact that they made a coaching change, there's got to be some, some some reasons behind it. that so we, It's got to be some in-house clubhouse disagreements. Yeah. He, like, he's lost the clubhouse. It's something. Because, Chris, Detroit still has their head coach, and they're how bad? Yeah. Exactly. exactly. That's the whole problem right there. So in this circumstance, I don't really know the moves, but I think with Rivers – uh, if, I mean, okay. If if he does not get them to the finals and win, this is going to be a big bust. I mean, it's Giannis and and uh, Dame Lillard, right? You would she, think you, it should be, and it's and it's fucking the East. Should be a walk in the park. You would think, but yeah. if they're making changes like this, that says something's not right. It's got to be, and they've got to be looking to bring in a seasoned veteran presence that listen say what you will about doc rivers love him or hate him he at least commands a certain level of respect among his peers and mm-hmm. the players in the nba that's why people still love him and then why players love to talk to him and have and be coached by him yeah you know so clearly something's going on behind the scenes yeah we'll definitely keep our eyes on that moving forward have but to yeah. watch out for the woge bomb yeah i was gonna say i think there's gonna be a lot more moving and shaking going on before it's all said and done probably especially with all-star uh game slowly approaching us on the horizon in indianapolis yeah very very quietly yeah uh last but certainly not least it's obviously rangers time to talk fuck yeah still in first place in the metropolitan division but they have had a rough skid as of late since we have not been recording uh it's that west coast swing yeah they're struggling a little bit on the west coast uh when they lost to vegas and they yep. lost to the los angeles kings yep. albeit though the kings was only 2-1 vegas one scared me a little bit being 5-1 but they bounced back against anaheim winning 5-2 mm-hmm. uh and then last night took a, a loss in overtime to the sharks 3-2 they bounce back on Friday night against Vegas, but they're hosting Vegas. So, obviously, more information on that. Make sure you're following NHL.com. And the Rangers are still in first place, and that's all anybody needs to worry about. all matters. Exactly. So, that's it for anything and everything. This is the ODPH. You can find it at ODPHpodcast.com. 
That's it for the sports edition this week. The entertainment edition will be on Patreon. So for the one and only Padawan Jay, fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We will see you next time. Such wasted time Swiping left and swiping right On people you could know Cause anyone who's worth a damn Be worth way more than a picture could ever show You could find the right light Find the right angle And never find your soul And it can feel like a losing battle And this plot is full of holes This modern way of finding love Just makes me feel so alone And I can't be the only one Sick of staring at my phone So look up Talk to me A better way to spend our energy Just look up Talk to me time fable everyone has just one true love all i know is you're across this table and you're all i'm thinking of so look up talk to me a better way to spend our energy just look up Swiping left and swiping right on people you could know.